Good morning, and welcome to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Rob and I are here, and we are still recovering and uh, regaining our voices from the business trip to Greenville this weekend. Absolutely. How's everybody doing? <laughs> All right. So we are going to cover a few things about the game today, uh, talk a look, a look forward a little bit to next week's game, um, and then, of course, go a little off topic for a couple things at the very end. So without further ado, we're going to do four downs from this week's game at East Carolina, a huge Dukes victory. And uh, I think uh, for first down, I'll let Rob go with his first big thought of the weekend. Oh, you're going to be first. So I, I yeah. guess I got, and Todd and I did discuss this beforehand and we decided Cardon, Cardon's off the table. Obviously it's, that's the story of the game. Um, he was just outstanding, uh, made everybody forget all about Khalid Abdullah. Um, so oh. that kind of goes without saying. You don't need to hear us talk about how great he was. Everybody saw that with their own two eyes. <laughs> but I'm going to cheat and say the, my big takeaway was, was the offensive line. That was the big question mark going in. Uh, Johnson, Marshall deserve a ton of credit. You know, they, they did a terrific job. But the offensive line opened up holes that you or I could have run through. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it That's was awesome. just that one cut, and then they're off to the races. Yeah. Uh, it was just great. I mean, we, were, we talked about it in the season preview, how we were a little bit worried or didn't know what to expect with the entire right side of the offensive line being rebuilt. But, man, it was, it was something else. A couple breakdowns in the, in the passing, pass blocking, but rushing-wise, they absolutely owned the line of scrimmage. It was, it was really nice to see, particularly with the young guys uh, rotating yeah. in there. Oh yeah, you know it was, it was. So I'm very optimistic. My 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 uh, the ceiling for this team went up a little bit after Saturday night. I already yeah, was, was, and you know I already was was kind of slowly plotting out a trip to Frisco, but um, just the offensive line was outstanding. It, it really was, and especially you think about those three long touchdown runs, the two from Johnson and the one from Marshall, both went to the right side, or all three yeah. went to the right side. So I mean. Uh, far be it for us to claim we understand the scheme or that, that 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 may not have had huge contributions from the left side as well uh but certainly great stuff from the right side i mean that was uh what is that uh garen and jahi jackson i think on both of the long johnson runs but the backups were in there as well liam fortinell fornadel uh and one of the other young guys who I'm misplacing the name now, but we're, we're in there on that last, on the last Marshall run. So yeah, yeah that was awesome. Um, for second down, I think for me, the defense, I, I, I mean, we had hopes just given the number of starters that returned, given some of the transfers. But when you were talking about the ceiling going up, I mean, that was a dominant performance on the offensive line from the defense or on the defensive line from the front front seven. Clearly, Jamie's coaches made the decision they were going to play press man coverage on the outside all day and keep everybody in the box and force them to beat them long. I think ECU's best play, we can all agree, was just throw it up and get a pass interference play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? But that, but that really was the plan, and it went accor- I mean, completely according to plan. I mean, great performances from Ankra, uh, Urquhart, uh, Gus Little looks like he's going to be a star in there. I mean, he, he looked like he was ready to go right out of the gate. So 
Well, yeah, and then Hawkins, I think, was player of the week for the oh, CAA, wasn't he? Had to be. Like, I mean, to get 13 tackles or something. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like, um, Jimmy Moreland appears to be back. Oh, you know? Big time. Just and running his mouth <laughs> as only yeah. Jimmy can do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Not, not that, no amount of, of pass interference calls can, can shut down Jimmy from <laughs> assuming that he's going to make the next play. Yeah, I mean, you got you need that sort of mentality though with with a defensive back. I like the aggressiveness. Uh, some of the pass interference calls were bogus, but a lot of them were legit. It was mm-hmm. the guys playing up. I kind of liked it. You know, you're going up against receivers that are probably a little bit bigger and more physical than than you'll see in CAA play, and they really took it to them. Um, I'll take a couple of those flags Absolutely. if it means getting in a receiver's face and and kind of owning that uh, those one on one battles. So I, I thought it was outstanding. My dad called today and he was like, "Man, you haven't seen a." early season JMU defense like that in years. That's <laughs> no, the thing no. you took away from it. That's exactly what I couldn't. It was funny because I, I mean, I remembered all the offensive plays from the game and being excited and stuff, but then thinking about it again yesterday and today, I was like, wow. Like, I mean, they get, they really gave up seven points to a FBS team and, and almost zero rushing yards, <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it was, just, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I, I, it could be brutal for some, some of our FCS opponents. If yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be brutal for ECU. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the the defense was great, but a a team with you know even competent quarterback play and receivers that didn't drop one out of every four balls and they, would have taken advantage. They were there was a stretch where they were getting open. Um, the balls were just hitting them in the feet or <laughs> bouncing it off their hands. I mean, they're, they're not a good team. Let's not kid ourselves. That was not an upset by any means. No, and they've got to find a center who can snap the ball. I mean, yeah, they they couldn't get anything going. And then they'd get into a big situation and have a botched snap, and it was, uh, I mean, it was it was over. So yeah, I, I guess with the defense, the thing that I was most impressed with was mm-hmm. they made plays when they needed to. You know, there are a number of fourth down stops. Uh, obviously, three interceptions. It was, oh, yeah. it was kind of the classic Mickey Matthews sort of bend but don't break. But yeah. man, when it got down, you know, when they got in JMU territory, it was like they flipped a switch, and the D just said, "All right, time to get off the field." Yeah, I think rewatching that game, I mean, the two and. and you know, when I was in the stands kind of watching it, that Rashad Robinson ridiculous interception in the end zone, you know, felt like a big turning point. And then, of course, that was when JMU had their interception right after that. Yeah. Uh, but then they, when it was, I think, 14-7, and they held them at around JMU's own 40-45 and stopped them on fourth down, and that was really the end, the end of the competitive portion of the evening. Yeah. Yeah, big time. So, Rob, what about third down? Okay, I, I was going to be boring and just say no injuries. Um, that's all, <laughs> It's always fun to win these, these FBS games. But really, anything heading into CAA play, I just want the team to stay healthy. So I was happy about that, but I'm, that's kind of a cop-out. I'm going to go with halftime adjustments. Oh, um, yeah. I, I think last week you and I talked about how Coach Houston deservedly gets a ton of credit, but sometimes the fact that he put together this amazing coaching staff gets overlooked. I mean, he's great, but – they're a great off, uh, offensive and defensive special teams. I mean, the entire coaching staff, top to bottom, is really amazing. And we've seen that really proven to be true time and time again with the halftime adjustments they make. Um, that game was a little bit dicey. You know, James, mm-hmm. I, was, yeah. I was worried going to the half that it was like, this is going to be one of those coulda, shoulda, woulda type games. You know, Jamie should have been up by three touchdowns at the half. They weren't. Um, you would think that ECU would say, okay, you know, let's – circle the wagons and take care of business after the half. And it was the total opposite. JMU came out with, with the team with all the confidence in the world, changed a couple of things up. You know, Johnson went to the house immediately. 
there was that back and forth of the two interceptions, but then it was just lights out. It was just a better team, um, <laughs> scheme-wise, play-wise, everything. So hats off to the coaches and to the players for you know adjusting when they needed to. And It looked like a totally different game after the half. Big time. So my fourth down call, and just we're going to move on from the ECU game, but I did want to give a little bit of a shout-out to the East Carolina fans. I can't speak for everybody who made the trip, but they couldn't have been nicer. I, I don't know what I had in mind. I think in my head I had this picture, and we've certainly been giving East Carolina a hard time the last couple of weeks. Um, and maybe I thought we were you know, going to be up against, a, I don't know, the Maryland fan base or maybe even the worst part of the JMU fan base. Um, but, the, I, you know, all things considered, they were nervous about their team, excited about the game, but couldn't have been friendlier um, both before and after the game. Um, we had kind of a funny experience walking out of the game. Obviously, the JMU folks were about the last ones left in the stadium, you know, throughout the second half of the fourth quarter. Uh, we had a really good time. In, in, I got to tell this one thing, the, the last part of the game, I think ECU's last drive there, um, when it was, what, 34-7, to (laughs) their fans had pretty much cleared out, and they do this, like, when they get a first down, the announcer says, you know, it's a first down Pirates, and the crowd says, (laughs) argh! And uh, there was, like, nobody left in the stadium except for the entire JMU section. And uh, it was really funny because I think they had five or six first downs on that last drive, and the JMU fans were cheering for them to get a first down so that we could all say, argh! <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Um, incredible turnout from JMU. Um, and just, but, but before we let it go, you know, big thanks to ECU for their hospitality all the way around. Um, I think another program, weirdly, I mean, they've moved up and had better years and lots of guys in the pros, but a lot like JMU, kind of a do-it-yourself group. There's not a lot of people make the trip out there to Greenville, and they were certainly happy and welcoming to the Dukes. So thanks. Oh, to, that's cool, man. Yeah. That's good to hear. That's yeah. always, I mean, they're on tough times. And I mean, like a lot of their fans, I question the firing of, of Russell McNeil, but yep. it's actually been a very admirable program uh, for Big a number time. of years. They've mm-hmm. always drawn huge crowds, passionate fan base. Um, they go toe to toe. I mean, they always play Virginia Tech tough. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally got that dream call up, they thought, to the AAC, and then conference kind of took took a couple of uh, unique turns, and it's not quite the conference they thought they were getting into, but that's a program that will be back. It, this year doesn't appear to be their year. Yep. Um, this this win might not look as impressive for JMU in five or six weeks, <laughs> but it certainly was a lot of fun Saturday night, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that you and everybody else that made the trip uh, was welcomed with open arms and had a good time. Yeah, we had an usher who was in his probably late 70s stop us on the way out and give us like almost word for word the uh, dazed and confused speech to Randall Pink Floyd about, you boys are tough. Like, 13 starters coming back. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. But um, so that takes care of our four downs from ECU at this point. And uh, next we wanted to do, as we said, this is the non-Cardin Johnson section here, but we each were going to give a sort of off-the-radar MVP from this game. So. All right, why, why don't you go first? I took the easy one with the offensive line for four oh. downs. Why don't you go first this round? Well, I mean, I, I do want to – this is not in the – I'll give an in the game and an out of the game. Um, out of the game, just another big reminder about what JMU's fan base is becoming. Like, huge turnout, lots of fun, singing along to the band, like singing Start Wearing Purple – 
you know, streamers, the whole bit, like really kind of becoming a growing concern. Um, just a lot of fun and, and really impressive that Jamie's kind of building this up slowly. But oh, in yeah, the, and yeah. on that note, like I, I was walking around Saturday, obviously wearing Jamie's stuff because it was <laughs> game day and everything. And I got stopped several times by just random people like, oh, man, Jamie, yeah, how are they looking this year? When they start, I, I watched last year and it was kind of neat. Like I know one of the big reasons a lot of fans would like to FBS is because they want to be part of that water cooler conversation at work. And uh, we're starting to see that. I don't know what it's like yeah. by you and Carolina, but yeah. in Virginia, I had another guy my kids had a play date today and somebody else, you know, was chatting like, Hey man, see the Dukes. How's it going? Oh, you going to any games this year? And people were talking about, they're all getting tickets to go back. And it's starting to be um, a bit more recognized. You start to see the national press. It's that article going around about, you know, like don't schedule JMU and everybody's excited. A a lot of the people are saying what we're saying. Like this wasn't an upset. JMU's a very good program. (laughs) Yeah. Don't schedule Um, them. Yeah. um, That should be Mm -hmm. taken seriously. So, yeah, I agree. It's neat to see how things are evolving. It is. Um, you know, on the field, I, I think I was really happy with the new punter. Um, that was kind of a, a quiet part of this game, but seemed to do a really good job. Was nervous. He was playing his first game. I think I got his name wrong last week. Don't even won't get it right tonight. But um, I thought the yeah. kick coverage in general. I mean, both kickoffs and punts was great and really well, they, solid. They average over yeah, average over forty yards a punt. Yeah, they didn't and, punt that much, which is good. But no, I think they averaged like nerve, 42, 43 yards. Right, and didn't seem to have any nerves. Seemed to just be picking up right where this team left off last year, which was by far the best special teams unit in the country at the FCS level. And they looked every bit that much on on Saturday. So, how about you, Ralph? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go uh, Nick Carlton. I, I thought, <laughs> yeah. you know. Coming in, Klusterman was such a weapon last year in the playoffs, really emerged, had a number of touchdowns, and really was kind of a key outlet for Brian Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, Shore is so good at extending plays, and when he extends the plays, you know, he kind of depended on, on a couple of key receivers. Um, Brandon Ravenel was really good about working back to the ball, and Klusterman mm-hmm. in particular. Carlton stepped in. It was a tough, tough assignment uh, with Klusterman out for a couple of games. And he was great. You know, he had a couple big catches. I think he even got, got in the end zone once. Mm-hmm. Um, did his job. Yep. He had to block part of that offensive line. So I was really happy to see him step up and uh, get in the end zone and just be a, a good part of the offense. Big time. And especially coming back, you know, he was the one who had that fumble. On He had made a nice yeah. catch and a little run on the third down and then had, had that fumble that kind of got reviewed and took a while. Correct. And they then scored the touchdown afterwards. Sure. It was, it, was, it was a nice bounce back moment for the kid and um, played a good game. I was really excited. That's going to be a nice adapt when you get him and Klusterman out there together. It is. And it, and it was also nice to see another number 37 with Cheatham on the back mm-hmm. um, playing some minutes there at the end of the game. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. fun. Yeah. So, Rob, um, one thing, if we, I mean, there's, it's hard to, you know, it, you are picking nits to get you know, be critical of a 34-14 victory over a a power six team, if you listen to the American Athletic Conference, but yeah. at least over a, a, a serious FBS team. But um, did you have any concern, you know, one maybe one concern leaving the game this week? Well, like we said, I mean, I really like the aggressiveness of the defensive backs, but there were moments there where, where ECU got in a bit of a rhythm. It was moving up and down mm-hmm. the field. Uh, as we mentioned, they... They put the clamps down when they needed to, but I was getting word that a better quarterback um, would, would take advantage 
of that. Like a couple times, JMU got off the field due to outstanding defensive plays. A couple times they got off the field due to whoever was playing QB, <laughs> just I mean throwing it in the dirt or bouncing off guys' hands. So yeah, uh, you know I, I'm very optimistic about the D. I didn't expect them to be lights out this early in the season. Uh, I thought they played outstanding overall, but they, they've got to tighten up. I think they will over the next three weeks. And yeah, by the time conference so. play comes around, they'll be great. But a, a better QB and, and receivers who could catch would have would have kind of gotten some big chunks of yards at several times on Saturday night. Well, yeah, and I think that was an interesting thing. I mean, I, I think I don't know the kid's name, but number eighty-five for ECU was, you know, I, I, he was a good player, like probably as good as Jamie will see all year. Yeah. So that you know, excuses it a little bit. And then it's another place where, I mean, I don't know what ECU is doing. I mean, they got completely outcoached by JMU. And this was one of those areas. I mean, it took them a quarter and a half to put in the quarterback that clearly (laughs) was better. Right. Seemed to be the better quarterback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. Um, My one concern of the week, and I know she's going to kill me for this, but the place kicking, kicking. yes, the yeah. kicking game, yes. So we, you know, I will excuse at least in the stands. It didn't show up as much. I, I did watch the replay a little bit this morning. The first missed field goal from Tyler Gray. I was got no a bit problem. of a high snap. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, you, there was, was a hitch 30, in that. Yeah, it's like a thirty-four yarder, and he yeah. put it off the upright. That happens. That's, yeah, that, that happened. Was but, but then I missed the extra point. Yeah, yeah, missed the extra point, and then I, I think JMU went to their backup kicker. For the last for, extra for the last point. One. So yeah. I, I don't know whether that's just – I mean, that they were up 34-7 to or 33-7 at that point. So it may have been just getting the kid some action. It, it, I don't know whether Tyler was banged up or the coaches were upset or what. But certainly something Jamie is going to need to tighten up as the season goes along. Um, yeah. I thought Tyler did great on kickoffs. You know, most of the kickoffs were right around the goal line. Like, I get no, no complaints about that. So. Yeah, and, and I'll say this too. Like, I don't want to be like armchair psychologist, but like we were talking about Jimmy Moreland and the defensive backs who have that kind of jump shooters mentality where the next one's always going to go in. Mm-hmm. We've seen Tyler miss kicks and then come back and hit big kicks, like in the Fargo Dome, big kicks. <laughs> big kicks, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't worry. I mean, things happen. You, you don't want to see people miss an extra points or anything, but I don't worry about him being the type of kid that can bounce back. I think mm-hmm. he will bounce back. I think he'll be better, be better for this. It's disappointing, but... Um, not super concerned about the kicking game at this point. I think better to get these ones out of the way and Definitely. then fight through it. Good to hear. Um, so next we're going to look a little bit forward to next week. Obviously we'll have a full week of predictions and guest posts and, and uh, previews this week. But Rob, what's one big thing you're looking forward to next week? I'm assuming it's not the uh, final score. <laughs> no, I mean, this one isn't going to be much. Um, one of the, this is incredibly nitpicky, but one of the things I felt we were kind of robbed of seeing mm-hmm. due to the you know multiple seventy-five yard plus touchdowns. <laughs> was, I'd like to see one of these sustained drives. I, I want to see a couple long drives where they're mixing up the run and the pass. Um, the receivers were great. You know, I think Shore threw to like five or six guys. Oh yeah, Hyman, um, my, my man, was fantastic. Hyman was great. Miller was fantastic. Yep. Uh, Eldridge in his first game. Yep. I mean, re- really good. Mixed it up. And that's what we want to see. You know, last year that was one of the advantages the Dukes had is you, you didn't really know who the number one guy is. You know, Ravenel mm-hmm. and Alls, but at any given point, somebody else could step up. So I would just like to see a couple of these sustained drives where they're mixing in the run and the pass. Um, the run pass option has always been a great weapon for JMU. So I'm picky, but it's really fun to see 75 yard touchdowns. <laughs> 
but I'd, I'd kind of like just to see them go through the motions and put together a sustained drive of, you know, seven, eight play drive. Yeah. Well, and I think you're right. I, weirdly enough, I mean, that first, the first long Cardin Johnson run at, right after half, the first play of the half, it, there was almost a little bit of a, like, Jamie was like, oh, we're, this is going to be easy. Yeah. And that obviously led to, you know, some really ten, a, a tense little eight minute period in that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you do, you do wonder if they, it would be nice to see them mix it up and, and have a little more. Not that you're ever complaining, not that we would ever complain no. about 75 year touchdown runs. Yeah. But. I mean, if we need to have a couple more of those, I'll be okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, my thing for next week, and, uh, you know, it's funny that I went to the game and, and have only heard about this through the, through the grapevine, but I'm really looking forward to a Madazone production. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll say. I'm sitting here pretending like I know what all these plays you're talking about looked like, but anything between the second part of the second quarter through the third quarter, I, I heard it. You know, like I, I didn't see Robinson's interception until like yesterday afternoon or something. Um, it, was, it was a little bit frustrating on yes. our end. Yeah, for all the times that we have rooted and pulled and said we need to get on ESPN three, uh, clearly there were some some problems out there. I don't, I don't know if it was the storms or. Just the oh. Eastern North Carolina dead zone or what happened, they, but wow. They had no problem showing commercials. No. I would get 10, 15 minutes of commercials, right. followed by like, oh, sorry, there's a problem, some error message. I finally just switched to the Matazone audio, and that's when Johnson broke off. I, yeah, when Cardon broke off yeah. his massive run. And then because I'm superstitious, I stuck with it even after the stream came back. And people were tweeting me like, it's okay now. And I was like, no, 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 it's all right. You know? <laughs> right. Just, this is good. We'll go with it. That's what and I then, got out to the parking lot after the game. And I couldn't believe everybody was like, it was just like a constant stream of angry Twitter about the, the ESPN3 oh, feed. It was, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also looking for, I mean, hopefully we'll get to see Cole Johnson maybe get some time this week. Obviously, it, it really didn't work out for, I mean, Jamie was comfortably ahead, but I completely understood why Coach Houston didn't want to take Shore out of this game um, at any yeah. point. And so it'll be nice to maybe get some other guys some work next week in a way that they yep. weren't able to get this week. Yeah. Yep. So, and by the way, one last thing. Um, Jamie Field Hockey, 4-0, sweeping the weekend over App State and Lafayette. So we'll see what they have in store for us next week. Yeah, and both soccer teams getting a couple wins That's early right. this season too. So. That's right. So our last thing tonight, and we're, as usual, going to go off topic. And uh, we were gonna, last week we did the book we read this summer that we were interested in. This week we're going to talk about what we personally thought was the song of the summer. Um, this will be the non-Despacito category for the most part. Yeah. So m- much in the Cardin Johnson style. Um, so Rob, do you want to take this first? Yeah. And, um, I don't know what, what, what people know about our music taste. We're, we're rather eclectic. Um, I'm not too into pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd, as you know, I, I spent a couple of weeks with my family, uh, traveling in Europe this summer. It was a mm-hmm. fantastic experience, except for the fact that we had rental car with uh, terrestrial radio. And yes. I don't want to get into like the state of the global economy or, or the U S economy or anything, but I will tell you one thing we are exporting really, really well. And that is crappy pop music. It was excruciating <laughs> being on these trips. Like I couldn't tell you what these songs were, but they were awful and they were just ever present. It was, it was awful. I found one station in Portugal 
that God only knows what they were talking about, you know, the DJs, <laughs> right. but they, they were playing the Pixies and Sonic Youth. And I was like, oh, th- this is my station. This is it. But, good, yeah. but everything else, it was just this awful pop crap. It all sounds the same. <laughs> Terrible. So like my taste a little different. I'm not going to, like you said, it's not going to be your standard ones. Um, I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed this past weekend listening to the LCD sound system. New album. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've listened yep. to that. Really good. Mm-hmm. It's like they never left. Um, I've never been a big St. Vincent fan, mm-hmm. but I love that new New York song. Yes. I don't know why. It, it's not really like a summer jam. Means, but it's good. And Isbell, anybody who, who reads the blog or follows us on Twitter knows we're both kind of in the bag for him. Mm-hmm. But my song of the summer is uh, from Rostam, Bike oh, Dream. Yeah. I don't you know, formerly of Vampire Weekend. He, mm-hmm. was, he played keyboards for them produced i think two or three of their albums but then broke away and he just did what i thought was an amazing album last year with hamilton lighthouser of uh yeah of the walkman mm-hmm. just fantastic album you know he, that was a collaboration and he's got a solo album coming up uh i think it's dropping in september okay. but bike dream uh the latest nice. single that they kind of released in advance i've just been obsessed with it. i've been listening to it like non-stop for the last four or five weeks so which really Definitely is... check it out. If nice. you guys are on Spotify or anything, uh, give it a listen. I, I love, love to know what you think. Yeah, I think being able to listen for four or five weeks and not get tired is the hallmark of the sum- song of the summer, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I did ask, I did test drive this question with the, uh, with the youths at the JMU tailgate this weekend. And uh, I have to admit, I don't know anything about modern hip-hop or pop version of hip-hop. So... No, well, I, you and I, me both. Right. There were uh, quite a few mentions of the DJ Khaled Rihanna Santana remix and the yeah. Two Chains, which you do have to give Two Chains this. There's not many better titled albums than Pretty Girls Like Trap Houses. Yeah. Well, so, but beyond, that story is old as time. That's right. That's right. But beyond that, for me, I mean, the, the two songs that I thought of, or I guess I should really stick to one, um, that did I could listen to for four or five weeks have never really gone away for me this summer are the Portugal the man song uh feel it still Mm -hmm. yeah I think I've heard that a billion times in the house and never particularly gotten tired of it it's nice to see see them getting recognition I I listened to them for a couple years I think they should have wanted Jamie's like songs of the year thing like four or five years ago um, yeah kind of got me hooked that's a great band yeah and that uh the xx song on hold Mm-hmm. I think I don't, that may have been back to the spring, but I feel like that's still stuck around with me in the in the pop vein. So yeah, well, yeah. whatever. My, my song of the summer is almost be something from the Allman Brothers after Greg Allman died. <laughs> right. right. I went I went way deep. Yes. In, into the Allman Brothers, I went way deep on Saturday into like YouTube old shows of just single songs. Like I just started looking up all these different cover versions of The Wait. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yes. I and mean, that is a song everybody has covered and there's some amazing versions of like greg allman aretha franklin or uh is it mavis, mavis staples Sta- yeah mavis staples and jeff tweedy yeah there's some just and then clue the band you know it's mm-hmm. just that so i can it's, go way deep yeah way deep in the wormhole for that yeah i can get excited about anything from the band um definitely yeah some pretty exciting wolf trap moments over the years with band covers yeah. from mo and grace potter so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but That'll, now that you guys have indulged us for our song of the summer, that'll about take us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, just so everybody knows, we are on the Bumpers app. You can subscribe in there. You can get an account and subscribe in there. It's free. You can also find us in the 
<clears throat> iTunes podcast store. Just look up JMUSB. And we do want to say just an enormous thank you. This has been, I, I can't tell you, it was so fun to go to the tailgate on Saturday and hear from people who were already kind of aware of what we're doing. Got to spend a huge portion of the tailgate. We accidentally parked next to the, new, the famous, the world famous Newman family. That would be Nikki and Charlie Newman. And formerly Charlie Senior Newman. So three JMU athletes who uh, really, you know, nobody roots harder than, than the Newmans. But they were <laughs> oddly excited to hear that, that uh, they, th- about the podcast. So we just can't thank everybody enough for listening. And go ahead and subscribe. Feel free to rate us if you're in there. You can tell us. And, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter at JMU Sports Blog if you have any comments or suggestions or just general critical feedback. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks, Rob. Go Dukes. Go Dukes.